if I anyone think- wants to marry me from the podcast that's listening, you can DM me at Mark Fisher quotes. <laughs> okay, I bet you'll get at least a couple. Yeah, uh, I hope so. Uh, yeah, just make sure they're not theory cells. Are you like familiar with the aesthetic impact of Dylan Roof? No, not too much. Tell me. He's just like a total icon to anyone who's twisted, but also interested in clothes, fashion, aesthetics, etc. Because oh, like the bowl uh, cut. Yeah, the bowl cut, and then also like he. There's all those pictures of him um, wearing like a bulletproof vest, and honestly, he looks really cool, and he just does. And so I think that you could look at. Oh God, I'm, I'm not gonna say you should look at those for inspo. But that's the direct, yeah, that's basically what it is. Hey, everybody. My name is Justin Murphy, and this is the Other Life Podcast, where I talk with indie creators, digital hustlers, and unique internet personalities about how to escape from institutional conformity and succeed on the internet instead. To learn more about the Other Life Project, go to otherlife.co. That's otherlife.co. And if you like what I'm doing, I just have one quick favor to ask. Please go and just leave a review in iTunes. It really helps others find the show, and I'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much, and a big shout out, especially to my patrons. I could not do this without you all. So thanks. And now, on to the show. All right. Hey, Biz. How's it going today? I'm good. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. Thank you. My first question I just have to ask is, how exactly does fashion theory go viral on TikTok? Um, People are really interested in unexplored facets of fashion outside of just mainstream fashion criticism, which is already huge. So I started making videos in April around the time that everyone was stuck at home. And the first video I made that... I think it was the first video I made and it also got really big was about dark academia, which I saw you just became aware of via your Twitter. And that's a subculture slash aesthetic that got really popular on TikTok. And I just analyzed its key characteristics and then related it back to culture at large and um, why it's having such a big moment right now. And I made more videos in that similar format that were successful. And then the one that really got big was a video explaining the history of the e-girl heart which is just a little heart that's drawn onto the cheek of e-girls it's a really popular makeup style in that group and it actually comes from 18th century and earlier european cosmetic tradition of trying to cover up deformities on the face scars and deformities from smallpox and I think that just hit a, a sweet spot for people because it was like, e-girls are so well known on that platform. And I think it was a kind of a, a do, did you know moment that people got excited about. Yeah, that's fascinating. So I have a confession to make. I did try my hand at TikTok for a little bit. I made, I don't know, 10 videos or something like that over the course of a couple of months. And they were theory videos. And let me tell you, they did not go viral. So I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm cut out for this platform. And I just deleted everything, but I did give it a go. So what do you think is the trick? Like, why did those videos, which one might say, that's fairly obscure theory. Why does that take hold with the masses in a way that other types of social or political theory might not? Um, I think I'm able to take notice and 
break down trends that I see that are really popular with Gen Z fairly quickly and um, respond to them quickly. And I also think that I don't think the fashion criticism has a lot of voices similar to mine. I have a vocal fry monotone, but I don't mean like my literal voice, but a lot of fashion criticism, especially online, is young gay men. And so mm. I think just having a different perspective and different delivery was really attractive to people who are already interested in fashion. Are there many fashion theory people on social media? Is that a well-known thing? How big is that niche? It's really small. So fashion theory and fashion history is legitimate academic practice, but it's still quite small and it's mostly just in New York and London. But so most of those people that are pretty active and doing research in that field are a little bit older and a little bit more old school. So they'll have online presences, but they'll just post pictures of literally their latte or something. It's not a platform for them. So it's pretty small. I don't... I can't think of anyone else off the top of my head that's doing specifically what I'm doing, but there is a lot of people are really interested in breaking down aesthetics because that's such a huge thing online right now is the proliferation of online-based subcultures and aesthetics. That's a growing field, but it's pretty small in terms of people who are putting their work online versus staying within an institution. Okay, so how viral was your most viral TikTok video? The one about the e-girl hearts? I don't, I, I think it capped off a million views in a couple of days, which isn't that much in the grand scheme of TikTok views, but it definitely, that's where my following came from and got covered by a couple of different news outlets, which was really funny. And yeah, that's, that's, awesome. that's what happened with that video. So were you just fucking around and it blew up or were you, okay, you heard that you could go viral on TikTok and you're like, I'm going to take a stab at going viral on TikTok and it worked or was it totally accidental and unexpected? It was really accidental. I am a millennial Gen Z cusp person. So how old are you? I am in my early twenties. Okay. I wasn't one of the first people to use it. And I got on there and I was like, how can I make this something that works with what I'm doing? And so I just started translate, not translating, but yeah, translating, I don't know, essays I'd written into one minute clips, which was really hard and uh, to do. And so I had, yeah, I had no original intent to blow up or have people like me or anything, but, and it just happened. And were your results very variable? Sometimes you would do videos and they would go nowhere and then sometimes they would go viral or were they all consistently getting traction? I think I'm a really unusual case in that all of my videos have gotten traction, which um, I'm not sure how familiar you are with how TikTok works, but you can have a really large following and like 100K and one of your videos can get like 800 or less views or something. And that's really common. So I have just been blessed by the algorithm and that I've never really had a video flop, but I also make them, I only make them once a month, like one video a month. So I don't have as much out there to fail. And are you still active on TikTok? This is actually, it's been a month and a half since my last TikTok, which means I need to record one to appease my teenage fans. 
Now, um, wait a second. So if you were getting a lot of traction on TikTok, why did you not just double down and start doing videos every day? Because it made me feel psycho. Tell us about that. Why and and how? Honestly, I don't really like being on camera very much. And TikTok is such a visual app. And I knew that it was pretty necessary for me to have my face on camera. So that was my deterrent. And then also, when I first started getting views, I got a lot of hate comments. And those made me sad for a while. And then also, for sure. Yo, yeah, it definitely made me sad. And then after that, I was like, I just, I don't know, it doesn't, it's not a super satisfying tool for me to use, I think. It, it's okay. my largest platform, but it makes me really emo and feel bad. Okay. And do you have a particular style of video that, like, are there particular heuristics or stylistic choices you make that kind of define your brand and or that you think are related to your success on there? Definitely. So Tell us I, about those. Okay. Yeah. So I basically just do a video where my face is in front of different pictures that are related to whatever I'm talking about. So if I'm talking about like dark academia, I'll have pictures of boarding schools or specific uniforms that represent the style well. And so that varies, obviously. And I think the thing that I realized was something that at first I was super insecure about, but then people were like, oh, we love you, queen was just like the way I talk and like my sense of humor coming through in the videos. Um, and so that was definitely a, a plot twist that I was happy about, I think. Cause as you, right. it's like vocal fry, et cetera. But I don't know, teenagers like it, I guess. Yeah, that's hilarious. Okay, so interesting. Do you know by any chance, well, I guess you probably do, uh, Caroline Calloway. I don't know. I'm not. I don't know her personally. Of course, I but know, you know her of more. Her. Of course, right. certainly. What do you think about her? What what she represents, fashion wise and kind of culture wise. Justin, that's a really interesting question because I've actually been scheming on doing some sort of in depth breakdown about her fashion for a while. Wait, now. so real quick, do do you want to? This is just a bit of a tangent, but I'm intrigued. Do you want to just give the audience a quick TLDR on Caroline Calloway? Okay, so Caroline Calloway will probably end up listening to this because she looks up all of her media religiously. So <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly a fan of hers. I think she's hilarious. So weird and interesting to me personally. Um, so Caroline Calloway is this girl, a woman really, she's 28, who went, we got popping on Instagram in the 2010s because she had this beautiful diaristic Instagram about her life as an American college student at, is it Cambridge or Oxford? I don't know. One of those bad Cambridge, boys. I, I, I yeah, believe. Cambridge. And she just posts a lot of beautiful con- confession, yeah, confessional captions, basically. And yeah, it was super, it was super twee and super aestheticized, I would say. Mm-hmm. It, yes. It, it, and really reflected the romantic, idealized image of England that Americans sometimes have from books and movies. Yeah, and it's actually really interesting that you say that because Caroline Calloway recently made a TikTok that was showing her photos from Cambridge being as like being dark academia. But then the right. caption was like, I was actually addicted to drugs and my life was hell. Ha ha. Like, <laughs> yeah. So she basically, that's how she gained a following on Instagram. And then she basically was just made a bunch of events for people to come to her fans and like, fucked them up really badly because she is not capable of, I think logistical activities 
And <laughs> then she just got roasted by the entire internet. And now she does OnlyFans and dresses up as like Daisy Buchanan. And <laughs> it's really not for me, but she is an icon regardless. She also, I, I believe, wrote a book that was pretty splashy. And <gasps> yeah, for people listening, basically, she really blew up. It was quite a sensation, a uh, pretty massive sensation. And I think the book was called Scammer or something like that, because that's how she was seen for a while. And uh, yeah, as Biz was just saying, now she's she basically does OnlyFans. And she's also known for being just like very yeah chaotic and just insensitive, one might even say, because she's yes. very, she'll post super scantily clad selfies in really appropriate inappropriate uh situations <laughs> and stuff like that i don't know that yeah like there's the there's one notorious instagram photo of hers where she the photo is commemorating her father's death and it, it's like about her father's death i think it might have even been if i recall correctly like at the time that her father died like right i after actually know exactly died. this photo she's sitting uh, in a desert in california wearing a bikini and it's the week after her father died by suicide so, yeah, yeah it's like a super thirst trap photo and then the caption is like heartfelt stuff about how her father just died and people are like what is the but in any event i honestly relate to caroline calloway in a weird way and i respect her because on some level say what you want about her but i, I basically see her as one of these people who really does just put themselves out there over and over again as a kind of it's like a real part of her personality and character and she seems to genuinely not really care and her ability to bounce back from haters i think is really impressive and i think that's a really valuable and and cool trait to have in the contemporary age so yeah i i like her kind of chaotic style and her aggressive oversharing internet kind of uh, tendency and but especially her ability to basically brush off the haters and keep skyrocketing her brand and her platform and her revenue. I, I think it's pretty uh, fascinating. It's definitely fascinating, but I think she actually really deeply cares what people think about her, which I only know because she's she is constantly revealing that she constantly searches her name, etc. on obscure platforms. Like, But she's just such a master at self-mythologizing that I her, her brain is something like her brain is literally built different. And I respect that. Of course, she might get sad and maybe she's constantly anxious and d distressed <laughs> about it all. But the point is, she is always still producing. She's always yes. coming back and, and putting her foot forward. You know what I mean? So that's a real distinguish right. distinguisher. It's not like uh, everyone struggles with this kind of stuff emotionally, but a lot of people, they get a ton of hate and they just disappear and they're never going to put anything out in public ever again because it's so traumatizing. Even if she is struggling emotionally throughout all of this she's always coming back with new stuff and it's it seems like it does better than the last and uh i just respect that <laughs> yeah i definitely do too i wonder if she's addicted to internet dopamine or something or addicted to internet pain which obviously goes hand in hand but the fact that she doesn't yeah go live in rhode island and marry some finance bro is pretty impressive because that's a pretty straight shot for her i feel <laughs> yeah give her time let's see let's yeah, see what we'll happens see. i'm genuinely follow i follow her actually i don't follow her on instagram because i did out of curiosity for a little while and then i started feeling bad because i felt like i was yeah cheating on my wife or something like i, I don't follow like thirst trapper girls because uh, it feels genuinely unwholesome to me so i unfollowed her but I, I pay attention to her project uh, from a distance and uh, I, I, I wish her the best so that was a fun little tangent but going back to your own work you when you started getting traction on TikTok and getting millions of views for your fashion theory videos, you that eventually led to uh, consulting gigs and paid writing gigs. Can you walk us through uh, how that unfolded? 
had been doing Mark Fisher quotes, which is my Instagram account for a while. So I already had a writing portfolio, but it was literally Caroline Calloway style, like on Instagram, just because it started as such a fun account. It wasn't something I was trying to add to my resume. And so I think based off of that and then TikTok, I just started getting emails from journalists asking me to provide insight on Gen Z TikTok fashion. And from there, I did that. I've done that a couple times on Cottage Court, Dark Academia, the viral strawberry dress, simping. And then, yeah, it was really just people reaching out to me, which is good, I think, because I can be really lazy and shy, which is not ideal for making connections online, I don't think. So, yeah, now, that was just can a you- nice thing. Can you unpack though a little bit? What do you think these brands saw exactly? Do you know what items they saw and they were like, oh, we want that person to work for us? Yes. I actually just am doing a project soon about dark academia. And so she sees all my dark academia analysis videos reached out before that. I think it was caught. They saw some analysis videos I made on cottage core, which is a really popular aesthetic genre on TikTok as well and mm. asked me to work with them on a piece or a story they were writing on Cottage Core. And then I think just they were like, oh her brain it's good or something. So they realized that I research and study Gen Z online fashion trends a lot. So I have a, a wealth of knowledge to share, I think. How many followers or how many views were you getting at that time? Do you have to have a ton of traction for that kind of thing, for that kind of opportunity to present itself, do you think? Or if you're just out there commenting on this kind of niche internet fashion stuff, then people will start to pay attention. So I think with TikTok, it's interesting because I think it's still fundamentally misunderstood by millennials who work at the New York Times. Yeah, so they basically will write a story and they'll just look up cottagecore and they'll see a couple people from the hashtag that are on the top of the hashtag and interview them. But I think they're just looking for quotes to substantiate a story. But I think that you have to have the algorithm on your side if you want to parlay it into some other opportunities because... From what I can tell, every single person who's found my videos has looked up Dark Academia or Cottage Core or something and seen one of my video essays at the top of the hashtag and then watched it. So you have to not be underneath a boiling soup of content, basically. And this is on TikTok, not Instagram. Yeah, not... I've had a few other things for Instagram, but I, I don't think the algorithm's on my side there in the same way that it is on TikTok. So most of your big opportunities you've gotten through this have come through TikTok and you think it's specifically through Cottagecore or Dark <laughs> Academia. Now, yes. the the video essays, this is what you were talking about before when you described the e-heart, vi- the e-girl heart video. Could you tell us a little, tell us a little bit more because maybe some people listening don't even know what the TikTok culture is like. So how long are these video essays and maybe some other, I know you mentioned it before, but maybe explain a little bit more what people should have in their minds when they're thinking about what you're calling these video essays. Sure. So I would definitely say when I characterize them as a video essay, I'm being like very generous and very Gen Z because you can only make 
TikTok videos that are either 15 seconds or one minute. So when I make a video about an expansive subculture, I have to go turbo blast. And it's really hard for someone like me. I'm from the South and I just don't, I don't know how to really talk fast. So it's really hard. And so you have to make use of so many different components, like the background image, overlaying texts and stuff like that. And it's definitely a fickle process to get it all in there and be okay with it. Are you aware of, and maybe you're not because it's totally unconscious to you just doing your thing, but are you aware of any principles or tricks specifically for people who do theory? Because I know people actually who have tried to do political theory, social theory type stuff on TikTok or Instagram. And generally, I think it's pretty hard. I don't know of many people who've had success doing that. And as I told you before, I even tried no luck. So that's why I'm just kind of curious if there was anything else before we move on, if you, if there are insights you have about what makes that work or not work. Yeah, sure. I think being funny is really important. So it's really easy to be caught up in like the specifics when you're talking about theory because that's probably where your mind is at but on a platform like tiktok where you're so limited in your time you just can hit some like very basic points and then maybe equally focus on your presentation and that doesn't mean you need to like be like a super hot like 18 year old girl or something because that is like the dominant tiktok successful is, is there truth to that though? Do you maybe have to be like that? <laughs> yes, it's 100% true. It's such a visual app that it's really hard to, I think, get big on there unless you're like at least somewhat conventionally attractive or like attractive to like teenagers and whatever they're like looking for in a role model. So be and, funny, be attractive. What else? <laughs> oh God. Uh, it's really hard. Like you just, it's really important to be hot on that app. And that's like why I, <laughs> yeah. it, it's super important yeah. like why I have totally. to not use it because it makes me feel like really weird but right yeah, right objectified don't be, like, don't be fucking corny because okay so Justin I don't know are you like at all tuned into theorygram on Instagram yeah a little bit those people sometimes DM me and uh quote my stuff and I'm so I, I've vaguely explored that I vaguely know Joshua Citarella distantly yes. so I, I'm I'm a little I've, I have my finger a little bit on that pulse but I, I can't say I'm like particularly active or particularly on top of it I respect what they're doing it's community building and that's cool but I think why don't you a lot explain of... it for the audience how would oh, you sure, summarize it sure basically it's similar to any sort of meme community where people make their own original memes and repost other people's memes but they're all about um theory and philosophy i know mark fisher is like really blowing up on theorygram right now but of course and they're all like fake to lose or like those are the usernames yeah and but they also are super aestheticized and stylized to the point where i hate them so mm. I think maybe not trying to follow this mold of post vaporwave. I don't know. There's just like this vaporwave thing about them that I find really ugly. Right. <laughs> so, right. But, yeah. So basically, what I'm saying is, don't try to translate this this stylized way of approaching theory in like a comedic way into your videos. Like you can do something else, and it'll be fun. Yeah, I think that's good advice. It's difficult, though, because like my the thing about Theorygram that you're describing that I don't like or that it's not even that I don't like. It's just that 
the reason I've never really gotten too into it is because I have here and there experimented with doing theorygram type posts here and there. And the big problem with these circles is that it's really big on irony and ironic mm, detachment. Yes. And if you actually sincerely care about something or like you sincerely want to explain something effectively and usefully and interestingly, they look down on that. They, look, they will shit on you if it's it has to be really uh, weird and goofy to the point of being nonsensical and just uh, making fun of something. If yes. it's not that if it's not that then they tend to look down on that and it, it tends to go nowhere. So on the one hand, I'm, I'm very excited that you can find uh, this kind of active culture on places like Instagram talking about Hegel and talking about Mark Fisher and talking about Deleuze and all these different types of kind of wild ideas. But on the other hand, I've been relatively underwhelmed by, or actually I'll say it plainly, I've been actively disappointed by how insistently stupid they require you to be to participate for them to Wait, even care i yeah i'm very obsessed with what you just said because i totally agree it's a very it's a everyone in that category is very black pilled i think and uh, but some of know, them are leftists also which is weird like some of them are moralistic are, leftists also yeah. all disillusioned young men who have this specific way of using the internet and i think this is an excellent manifestation of that and also to your point about how absurd they get and self-referential i actually think that's like the opposite of i i mean i don't, I don't want to use the word accessible but like you mentioned how it can facilitate conversations but i think it like makes it harder for people to want to get into theory when you see these memes that are really I don't know if like opaque is the right word here, but sure. they're super detached. They're very, they're super loaded with meaning, but then like also completely obsolete of meaning. And I think that's intimidating for a lot of young people. For sure. So we were talking about, we've been talking about uh theory gram. Was there some, I'm forgetting. I think we were going somewhere else with this, but this was a bit oh, of a. I honestly, the last thing I remember before I like blacked out about theory gram was <laughs> Caroline Calloway and her aesthetic or aesthetic. Uh, aesthetic okay. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I feel like we were maybe trying to go somewhere else, but uh, it doesn't matter. I'm sure we'll get somewhere cool. I'm looking at your Instagram right now. Mark Fisher Great. quotes. There and I'm, I'm curious, how would you describe your fashion? How would you describe your aesthetic or your brand aesthetically? That's Okay, so like the IRL Mark Fisher quotes Biz Sherbert is what we're referring to. I'm looking at Instagram.com slash Mark Fisher quotes. But do you mean like my Instagram aesthetic or like how I dress in person in real life? Oh, there are some selfies of you that your Instagram is not like a selfie heavy type of style, but you are you you do make some appearances. So I'm I'm assuming that yes. I'm assuming that your personal style and your Instagram style are fairly consistent. Yeah. You could answer it however you want. That's actually a really great point because I honestly do a lot of heavy roasting on Mark Fisher quotes of styles that are really popular with girls my age. So like early 20s, late teens, whatever. And, but it's all just because I'm like obsessed with those clothes and I like think about them all the time. And so I would, I think, let me think about this. I, and honestly, in real life, my style is preppy, which is like true to my roots. Like I'm from South Carolina I, like, don't look good when I'm, like, LARPing as, like, a, I don't know, like, dirty, interesting person or something. 
So why do you have two Instagram accounts? I'm now realizing there's also Instagram.com slash friends with biz. What are the differences? So friends with biz, that's my, I've had that account for, I don't know, seven years, however long people have been on Instagram. Mark Fisher quotes is something I started on the like total whim at the end of my, or not the end, in my senior year of college, because I was just getting super into fashion history and textile design history. And I just I was like, oh, I want a place where I can like post pictures of garments that I like that are like in the museum that I was always in that's attached was attached to my school, which is FIT, Fashion Institute of Technology. And yeah, I started on a whim and then I started posting honestly like Caroline Calloway length captions. There was many <laughs> essays about clothes, trends, fashion, and uh, people said, Good job, like we like it. So I yeah, that's how that started. It was a completely informal, un, unexpected beginning to something. I think. So why did you start Mark Fisher quotes separately? Oh, good question. I, I think with people my age, there's this real need to have a primary account for your face, maybe. And then that's not true. That's really not true. But do you know what a Finsta is? Um, yeah, it's a fake Instagram, right? That's no. your, your anonymous cover. So I think that I, I didn't want to be anonymous or anything, but I knew that I wanted to have a, an account that was purely dedicated to clothing and fashion history and fashion theory. And I didn't want to transform my personal account entirely into a project space. Okay. So do you ever post Mark Fisher quotes on Mark Fisher quotes? <laughs> yeah, I do. Mark Fisher is beloved to me. Very beloved. Are they in the captions or because I don't see them in the photos at all? Uh, they're not. Yeah, I'm not a infographic person, but so where are the Mark Fisher quotes? I don't see oh any. God. Let me think about this. Oh, um, it's okay. It's no big deal. I was just curious if that was a troll, like uh, call it Mark Fisher quotes, and well, then there are actually, no Mark Fisher quotes. <laughs> oh my God. No, I would never. I would never mislead my audience in that way. But I, it's my first name was Bizarre Silks, which is a plan my name and is also like a type of Orientalist silk that was popular in france a couple centuries ago and then i was really depressed and i was like time to rebrand and i was like i hate i can't do anything i can't do fashion theory i'm like i can't have a job like whatever and so i was like i'm just gonna make an instagram account where i post mark fisher quotes like literal quotes by mark fisher and i never did that and the name just stuck and he's like (laughs) in my i love him so much so i like to pay homage with my little instagram handle Maybe it'd be cool to go a little bit deeper on what did you learn about fashion from Mark Fisher? Oh, God. So I didn't learn anything about fashion from Mark Fisher. I learned how to critique and analyze every sort of cultural object through a lens, through like the lens of, I don't know, critiquing neoliberalism, which is definitely Mm -hmm. how I approach all most of my work in fashion theory. And I also am very inspired and influenced by his writing style in terms of being very readable and funny sometimes and not overly pedantic, if that's the right word. Yeah. And yeah, I just admire him in so many ways that- Right on. So you took on the stylistic and cultural kind of model that he presented, the style- uh, of criticism that he embodies. That's what you really took from him. I don't think I necessarily 
took it on from him as much as I realized how in depth you could go with this sort of thing. These thoughts have like always been in my head, but I didn't realize that you could make a cohesive set of, I don't know, ideas and make do something with it. And so way. is fashion theory super woke? I would imagine like that whole world. Probably. Uh, yeah, it's really woke. Fashion is okay. So fashion is notoriously unwoke, but within the last five, 10 years, they've been forced to become woke more or less. Okay. So fashion theory. Yeah, because obviously fashion, there's just so much to do with race and class and the history of fashion. That is something people are really starting to talk about on a wider level which is cool. But then you also okay. have, wait, I actually want to talk shit for a second. Yeah. You also have people who are just insane, neurotic, cancel happy accounts that pose themselves as legitimate sources of like fashion theory, fashion criticism. And oh yeah. Let's call them diet, out. Diet Prada. You heard me, Diet Prada. They have a million followers on Instagram and their whole thing is just call. It's a call out account. So it under, diet underscore Prada, 2.3 yes. million followers on Instagram. And so they are constantly canceling people on their Instagram. Yes. If you just go through, if you just scroll down, you'll see many cancellation attempts, successful cancellations. And I think anyone that actually thinks critically about fashion hates their guts. But for the average fashion consumer, or just someone who's interested in what's going on in celebrity or fashion culture, because they're so intertwined, this is a real primary news source. Interesting. And in the fashion theory world, are there any super provocative, anti-woke edgelord types of figures who are influential? Uh, I think that's honestly me. Uh, <laughs> I have said a lot of things that maybe I shouldn't have said about fashion, but I think that's why people follow me in a way. Mark Fisher would be proud. Thank you. Now, how would you describe my fashion <laughs> all right justin we've never met irl so i don't know your height or anything like that and i feel like that's important when it comes to men's fashion because okay. i feel like height is the biggest accessory for men but so you wear a lot of tank tops right or did i make that up in the summer yeah i guess so okay so i feel like your fashion is pretty standard black millennial american but I don't think you, I think something I've noticed about your fashion that I admire, I think men are sometimes really into novelty t-shirts or things that reference a band or whatever. And it seems like you're, you don't really do that. Do you agree? Yeah, I think that's fair. I have pretty plain fashion. I think I don't, I feel I, like I don't really have a fashion style or a fashion aesthetic. That's why I was curious how it's perceived. I don't even mean to roast you in any way because I don't think men should be stylish, really. I think oh, they can okay. be well-dressed, but I don't think men should be, like, ups okay, this is, no. Like, I'm saying, like, your average straight man, it's probably a bad sign if he's obsessed with fashion. So, it, so are you saying your it's... Thing. Oh, good. Okay, so it's cool if you don't if you don't care about fashion. That kind of looks cool. Yes, and you, you still yeah. are clean and your clothes fit you okay. You're doing great, I think. So you can totally roast me. In fact, that I'm interested to learn oh God, from okay. someone who pays attention to fashion. Wait, like, should, uh, I, should I go look at your Instagram? Oh, yeah. It's not too many selfies. But yeah, you can totally analyze it, break it down, roast me. Yeah, do it. Let's see. What? Where do you think I can find the best Justin Murphy selfies? No, yeah, this is do. really... This is cute. I found a cute one. You're wearing... It's 2019. You're wearing the black fans 
It looks like you're wearing some sort of button-up sweater vest. Do you know this? Oh, yeah, that was... I was in the van shop, and I just bought some fresh sneakers, so snapped a little selfie. So how how would you describe that aesthetic? What is the word for it? The first word that comes to mind is millennial. But then you also have a Gorpcore thing going on. A what Um, core? Gorpcore, good old raisins, and peanuts core, which basically means, like, people that wear Patagonia or Gore-Tex a lot, so, like, utility garments. Oh, that's called Gorecore? Gorpcore, like... Gorps, it's okay. like a slang with hikers, good old raisins and peanuts. So it's like trail mix. Okay. Yeah, I feel like you definitely have a Gorpcore vibe going on. You're also wearing a sweater vest, I think. Or maybe it's just a sweater, but it looks like a sweater vest, which is interesting because those are super popular right now. With um, It's actually just a cardigan. It's a, it's a normal uh, cardigan. Just say it's a sweater vest so that I can say you set this trend amongst teenage girls. Um, uh, what about corduroy pants, though? Pants, corduroy though, pants are, those are a, a favorite. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Like, I also think um, ladies love corduroy pants from what I can tell. Like, they, they I have, have a question. Place. My wife got me from a thrift store a few months ago. She got me a Patagonia fleece, except it's from the 90s. So it has that super baggy fit. And yeah, it's it's super boxy and, and baggy. And I summed up the other day, I was saying I feel ridiculous in it. And then she was she said that, no, it's like hipster and, and I look cool and hip. Can you give a verdict on that? Okay, so... That is something that I'm going to highly endorse that you wear. I think it would look good on you. And also, I don't know, that like vintage uh, hiking wear is really, I think looks good on men, like pretty universally. So you're just concerned. You feel like you look goofy in it because it's like too big. Yeah, I don't pay attention to fashion at all. I'm totally (laughs) stupid when it comes to that sort of thing. And when I was single and I was dating, I cared about how I looked and I paid attention and tried to look cool and everything of course when you're dating but then once i got married i still maintained looking healthy and uh, basically put together but once i got married other than being showered and wearing clothes that fit and just basically looking put together i completely stopped caring about looking cool or hip or fashionable so i feel just totally out of touch with what is cool or fashionable so that's why i'm asking no that's definitely a very good look for you given your age and what you do in your life it definitely works i'm curious what you think is your conception of what's fashionable for men right now. Okay. It's interesting because for me, I was a professor for many years and then I quit academia and then leaving academia, I had to hustle to put together some projects and and make some revenue and get some systems going. And so that actually brought me into the world of kind of entrepreneurs and tech people and stuff like that. Like those 10, those are now like the people who I, tend to find myself talking with on the internet who are interested in what I'm building and stuff. And the people I am more likely to be friends with or talk with, a lot of them kind of come from the tech, like startup part of the world a little bit. And so what's really interesting is I'm sure this world has a a uniform. It's a very surprisingly consistent uniform. It's specifically the Patagonia vest. Are you familiar with the ubiquity? Uh, Yes. And uh, so with the Patagonia fleece vest as the kind of key emblem of this particular fashion style, I do find myself uh, gravitating a little bit in that direction. I'm definitely not going to be like all in on that, but I do find myself gravitating towards that. So lately I've been doing a lot of thrifting and getting stuff like Patagonia, Columbia, whatever that kind of look. And it's a bit more of a I'm also in Montana, so I'm, I'm looking a little bit more like a, a somewhat outdoorsy tech entrepreneur, I guess, a little bit. Not full on, but that's the direction I'm drifting in, I think. Cool. So, yeah, I think Gorpcore is your path here. And the whole tech uniform, I think, is 
really fascinating because it does evolve, but I think the key aspect is that it's supposed to be like easy to wear and easy to think about mm. and monk-like in some ways, like I, in my opinion. Now, what? but what about your opinion regarding what the objectively best fashion should be for a 34 year old man, like uh, abstracting away from what I said personally, what do you think is just the best? Oh my God. What, what should 34 year old men wear in general? I feel like men should wear top hats again. Like I'm being honest, like <laughs> working in costuming and stuff. I just like had access to really fine menswear. And I think that men need to not, they don't have to, but they could be more interested in tailoring because like you said, men's, I don't know. There's not, a ton of variety in menswear but if you're wearing well tailored clothes you look really rich and probably you will feel good about yourself so that i think mm. that would be a, a i don't know i don't know if i like any men's clothes that much i like them in, in theory but maybe not in practice always fair enough you're not a man yeah. so yeah you can't be expected to now okay so you you get all this traction on TikTok. You get some consulting gigs, like you consulted for GQ. You got some paid writing gigs. And now you're young 20-something, and you're thinking about your future. You're navigating and thinking about how to play all of this. And you're thinking about what does it look like to be a fashion theorist today, to be a successful, impactful, influential fashion theorist today. And... Basically, the vibe I get from you is that you're trying to figure out how to continue this kind of weird new internet path as opposed to, say, going and getting a PhD or something like that. So walk us through a little bit how you see this as a young, early 20-something fashion theorist who is both educated and has a formal background and could pursue that path, but also as someone who has a bit of internet savvy and can pursue that path. Just like how are you thinking about this landscape and, and what do you see there? When I finished my undergrad, everyone I talked to that was working in fashion studies in any way was like, you have to go to grad school. Like, you got to go. And I was like, okay, got to go to grad school, got to go to grad school. And then I just went on my deviant path of honestly degeneracy after I graduated. So I wasn't really thinking about grad school. And now post all of this, I feel like there is, I feel there's just an honest uh, hunger for intellectual fashion writing takes and everything of the that sort so i just feel there's i don't want to say a market for it because i like literally don't know what a market is really i feel like i would learn a lot in school but i would i think i have something that is i'm excited to explore i don't think i'm articulating this well but yeah no that's okay i i wasn't necessarily expecting you to have a grand vision but i'm just curious what would it look like for instance for you to continue growing your kind of internet-based fashion theory project i definitely want to move away from the short attention span apps which is a word that i think describes instagram and tiktok and stuff so they definitely people pay attention to what you're saying but for five minutes because that's how the scrolling pattern works there so i definitely want to keep focusing on writing for who i don't know and I don't know. Should I make a podcast? It's been on my mind. They are really fun. They are, but they are hard to grow. It it takes takes a lot of discipline and consistency and also a lot of, you have to rub elbows with people and try to climb social ranks by scoring bigger guests and 
the whole game is pretty hard and, and long and a bit taxing, but I do think it's super fun and it's so much easier than writing. And it's also more relaxing than video stuff because you don't have to worry about how you look and you don't have to worry about looking cool and, and, and like hot, hot, as you were saying yeah. before, and all of that. And so it's very fun, I think, doing it. But it's just like anything, it's it, to do it well and to succeed is a bit of a struggle over a long period of time. But uh, yeah, if you do fashion stuff, then naturally the visual media have a obvious kind of appeal. You know what I mean? But since you, do, since you do writing more, are you on Twitter? Are you active on Twitter? I know you have a Twitter handle you gave me, but um, are you active there? I'm going to take it off private, but I've only had it since April. Um, so not super long, but I definitely yeah, am trying to so, be a better Twitter user. So here I can give you I can give you some tips because I think I, Twitter is actually underutilized for visual media. It's actually pretty powerful and, and you you find a fair number of purely visual accounts or largely visual accounts that do very well. So aesthetics do very well. You just have to be uh, consistent and you have to clearly articulate with your name and your handle and all of that and the and your bio. You need to articulate what is the aesthetic that you represent and if you just post nice visuals and aesthetics consistently that represent that aesthetic, you are going to get followers who are into that aesthetic. So of course this is similar to Instagram. It's not different, but what's cool for someone like you, I think is the text is way more important. Like the the text that you combine with an image, it could make or break whether or not that tweet resonates and spreads. And whereas with Instagram, my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, but the captions are important for hashtags and that kind of thing. But the actual writing in the caption isn't really going to make or break an image in terms of its performance. Is that fair to say? That actually hasn't been my experience at all with my oh, really? with Mark Fisher so, quotes, but I think it, in general writing, that is true. Like, so you think the writing in the captions of Instagram is read like real writing is? So if you write really thoughtful, original stuff in the captions, people are going to care and people are going to share it more and like it more? Yeah, that that's been true in my case, but I think it is rare, and it's a uh, it's the, that's what happened with Caroline Calloway. Like obviously, she was posting glamorous photos, but people stuck around because they were interested in what she was putting in the captions, which was like little essays. Okay, okay, so yeah, fair enough. It, yeah, it just. But in terms of maybe natural growth, in terms of how many people are seeing your stuff, I feel Twitter would definitely be better because. Someone can send your post to someone on Instagram and share it that way, but you can't repost it as easily, I'd say. Right. Yeah. I think you would, you could have a lot of success if you took Twitter seriously by basically taking all the images you've ever collected that kind of represent your aesthetic, like all the ones already on your Instagram account, and then combining that with badass kind of Mark Fisher-esque like theory one-liners and stuff like that with associated with the image that kind of stuff i think you could probably build an audience uh bigger because as you said at the beginning you're not really huge on instagram you could probably get bigger on twitter than you are currently on instagram if you took it seriously and did a consistent kind of aestheticized fashion theory type of persona on twitter because the other thing about twitter is there's just way more intellectuals on twitter than on instagram Mm. and just because it's it really lends itself to the written word to short bits of the written word and so journalists authors it's just that it it most naturally suits their strong points and yeah so i think in your case and also like brand people like the it might be the case that brand representatives will search for on tiktok or search on instagram for gen z fashion theorists as you testify to which is super interesting but on twitter you're way more likely to 
have those types of people see it organically in their own personal life. So it's all the people who work for uh, GQ and Prada or whatever, those actual individuals spend time tweeting and reading tweets and they're on there. And you're more likely to actually be encountered by them organically than you would be on Instagram where it's mostly, it's not so popular for that kind of thing. Yeah, I think you should definitely think about that. Yeah, I think that's a next step. I think I have a problem where I want to tweet like literally anything that I I want to say, which isn't always to my benefit. It doesn't necessarily hurt. But I'm curious. So I always get really, I feel really sick when I go on Twitter. Like usually it makes me feel Mm. bad. And I was wondering if you have any tips for that, because uh, that's definitely the barrier for me to using the platform. Oh, yeah. Makes me sick too. It's terrible. It's a cesspool. <laughs> but the yeah, the main tip is just don't read anything else written by other people. <laughs> like or just read your uh, own tweets over and over again. No, don't even read those. Just post. That's I don't want to sound cynical or whatever. And here's the caveat to that. If you're active on Twitter, you will over time encounter people who are l- super cool. And you can totally make legit friends who are awesome people on Twitter. It's just they're going to be very relatively rare and most of it is just hate or politically polarized antagonisms or trolls or whatever, especially if you're in any way provocative and actually interesting and original. Like, for instance, the the theory, what you called earlier, the theory gram people, there's like a Twitter equivalent to that. Or, and it might be even some of the same people. But whereas on Instagram, you, you would call it theory gram. Mostly mm-hmm. on Twitter, they're called theory cells. I'm sure you're familiar with this. I've actually never heard that, but it sounds right. Yeah. So there's a pretty big mass of theory cells on Twitter. And for people who don't know what I'm talking about, this is basically people who have uh, fake names and also have their profile pictures, like some uh, weird avatar. It's usually like anime mm-hmm. or like okay. some cyberpunk thing or whatever. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Some kind of cyborg type creature of some kind. And uh, they like to tweet about Deleuze and Bataille and these sorts of things. But what I have found is these are just some of the most sad and resentful people ever because I I wish them all the best. I genuinely do. And if there's ever anything I could do to help any of these people, I would be glad to. So my DMs are always open. But as a mass, they're just a- little ankle biters. Try to say or do anything actually interesting and clear. And like you're actually trying to about Deleuze or you're trying to make sense about Bataille and you're actually trying to share and explain why these things make sense and why they're interesting and important this swarm of ankle biters who have never accomplished anything in their life just want to gnaw at you and say, that's so stupid. That's so cringe. I can't believe you. This is so dumb. So basically what I'm driving at is I have a ton of haters on, on Twitter. And this was, this genuinely surprised me because I thought, I'm sure, I don't know if, but I, I recently wrote a book called Base Deleuze. It's a short book. It's a fun and punchy book, but it's, I think it's quite good. I stand by every word in it, even though I was a bit of, I took my liberties a little bit and I had fun with it as I think one should when writing a book. And I honestly thought I was naive. I thought in writing this book, I was like, all the Twitter Deleuzeans are going to be super interested in this. They're going to be, they're going to think it's cool that here you have a professor who's like deciding to go all in on the internet. And he's actually writing interesting theory about weird philosophers like Deleuze. And he's actually trying to make sense out of it and explain it in real language that normal people could understand and be interested in. I thought for sure, like all the Twitter Delizians were going to love it. And I was so wrong, like down to the very last one, all of the theory cells hate me. <laughs> like It seems there's a couple that are friendly with me in DMs, but on the whole, they hate me. I don't know. There's probably some kind of lesson here. I think it's interesting. I think to me, the 
there is a massive opportunity, frankly, I think for people who wanted, who want to do like serious theory in these weird niches, I think there's a massive opportunity. The problem is you're just gonna have to face some haters who are just like resentful, unproductive people and don't want you to succeed in actually making sense to the world. <laughs> Wait, Justin, do you want to know a secret? Sure. Don't tell me that you're a theory cell who talks oh, shit God, on Justin no. Murphy. Why would I be th- <laughs> no, yeah, that's why I'm here. I'm- <laughs> Okay. As long as it's not that. It's not, it's it's not that it's okay. So that's like two years ago. I was dating someone and he was a theory cell, I think in retrospect. And (laughs) I remember he like mentioned someone and it was you. (laughs) And then like years later you followed me on Instagram and I was like, how do I know this guy? And I was like, Oh, from my theory cell (laughs) ex-boyfriend. So that's the story. And also, I think men really don't like you sometimes, from what I can tell. They're like very like, Justin, like, that's what you posted that really, that funny, but really mean meme that was like with you and Dasha. And remember? And oh, yeah. Some, no, some, someone took a screen cap of it and said something like really nasty about it. I forget what oh, it was. Oh, yeah. It was like, oh, when you're like about to kill yourself, but then the nice girl, like, smi- or the pretty girl smiles at you. And I think that's the, that's just, yeah, the, there's a, a lot of bitterness on Twitter amongst people, I think. Now, do you get this in the female version? Like, <laughs> women are often known to be catty and all of that uh, fun stuff. Do you find with your, effort to build a kind of intellectual profile on social media do you find weird cattiness in a more feminine way the first comment i ever got on the mark fisher quotes account that wasn't like from someone i personally knew was like what like how do you like mark fisher but you're so retarded so i think that was like i once i got that i think i it just made me laugh and made it easier but i don't know people like talk about how i look sometimes but just like normal criticism of my appearance i think but maybe definitely yeah definitely more because i'm a girl but do you you get sniped at in the way of tall like tall poppy syndrome like girls trying to take you down because you're actually trying Uh, to do something real well i think all my all the ladies i think i'm good with the ladies but sometimes i'll say something that's really misogynistic and then i'll get maybe some dms about how I am a misogynist. And then I'll be like, yes, I guess so. Um, So how trad are you really? What are your, how would you summarize your politics? Oh God. So I can't, I don't think I can summarize my politics. I I don't think that I'm a genuine misogynist, but I am really opposed to 2010s contemporary feminism, which obviously there's still a lot of that lingering around. So sometimes I'll get into tight spots because of my brutal takedown of that series of preposterous like notions. I think you told me also at one point that you have some thoughts on marriage. Yeah, I saw your Twitter thread in passing about how you think everyone should get married. And I agree. I think that the loss of marriage as a milestone in life, um, in your early life, that is really tragic for a lot of people. And I don't think we understand the extent of that tragedy yet as a culture. Have, do you feel that in your own life as a young 20 something uh, young woman? Yes. Like, is this something you've encountered? How have you encountered it personally? So I'm from South Carolina. I'm from a really conservative background and a lot of my friends are getting married or have already gotten married. 
so I have that perspective, which I think a lot of people that I'm friends with don't so much. But I just feel that, could you repeat your question for me? Oh, I was just curious from the personal experience of a young Gen Z slash millennial cusp woman. Have you encountered it like in dating, you were hoping to get married to someone, but they didn't want to or some, some kind of story like that? Yes. I think that the total lack of commitment that we see happening in dating right now with people that are under the age of 35 or something is symptomatic of this life shift where people aren't interested in dating for marriage and are more interested in spending their 20s building themselves. So traveling, building credit, advancing in your career, which are all very like legitimate, important things. But I, a couple generations ago, it was like, you find someone, you like them, you get married, whatever. And you like go through those motions together as like a, a couple versus waiting until you're 35 and finding someone who fits this like lifestyle you've built, which I think is always going to be more difficult. So I think it, yeah, it just is, is, can feel very pointless and sad. Yeah, for sure. You're still young though. So you have plenty of time. I'm sure. I'm sure you have no problem figuring that out. I hope so. If anyone wants to marry me from the podcast, it's listening. You can DM me at Mark Fisher quotes. (laughs) Okay. I bet you'll get at least a couple. Yeah, Uh, I hope so. Yeah, just make sure they're not theory cells. If their uh, name and profile picture are totally anonymous cyborg, then you should have a higher bar for them to be considered. Yeah, Justin will vet the DMs. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's right. All the theory cells right now are probably uh, hitting themselves because they're like, oh, shit, this could have been my chance if Justin didn't just own the theory cells and is clearly going to prohibit me from uh, making this connection. No. Um, (laughs) Okay, here's a million dollar question for you. What about... Crocs. Are Crocs fashionable or not fashionable? What's your take on Crocs? This makes me sigh a lot. So ironic fashion, definitely a thing. Definitely really big. Crocs fall into that. It also, I think, speaks to... Do you remember when people started posting all those cakes on Twitter that like looked like hamburgers or like fire extinguishers or something? Were you, no. Did you... <laughs> Okay, so that like bro- like didn't break the internet, but it was like super big for a couple of days and like spawned so many memes. So it's in my opinion, that's like the postmodern cake movement. I think Crocs are having <laughs> that right now, but it's also like not to be really annoying, but I feel like Crocs are something that like it, realistically, who's wearing them is probably like working glass people who like wash dishes or something. Okay, that sounds like bad, but you know what I mean? So I feel like that it definitely also in some way, shape or form might tie into our collective obsession with like traditionally working class ways of dressing and aesthetics right now as well. But also just mm. goofy and so goofy. So you're against them. I broke my ankle in a pair of Crocs when I was in third grade. So Whoa. I'm against them. Yeah. I didn't even think they were around that long. Um, they've been, oh, wait, what? Justin, do you think they're new? I thought they were only like five to 10 years old or something. Oh, no, they're, they've been around probably since the early 2000s-ish. They were really popular when I was in elementary school, actually. Hmm. What about sports goth? Sports goth is really, I think, outdated now in a lot of ways. That reminds me of Vaporwave, which I feel like I brought up a lot, but I think Vaporwave is still, we're still seeing a lot of influence from it in terms of what's going on in fashion and other things. So sports golf, I'm going to say 
I understand it. It's practical, it's comfy, and it's also a little moody, which feels good a lot of the times. But if you're trying Mm. to attract a young, like violently hip person, then maybe not sports goth. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Any predictions for what's going to be super hot next year? I know this is a big game that fashion people play forecasting Um, the trends. What what do you, what do you see in the near term for maybe the, the nice spin on this question for this podcast would be specifically when it comes to internet culture, where do you see the, the, where do you see the near future of internet aesthetics? I think that we're going to do a whole authoritarian, disciplinarian, Nazi chic thing, because that's Whoa, always really? been super, yeah, it's always been something that fashion returns to because there's this weird libidinal quality that's pretty discussed from Nazi fashion and just any sort of really structured uniform. Hmm. And I see that as a reaction to the kind of super slouchy, overly relaxed, bummish fashion of, you know who Mac DeMarco is? Or yeah, just Crocs. That's exactly what Crocs are. Yeah, and I've already seen this kind of coming to be. So I think we're just going to see that happen. So who's Mac DeMarco? I don't know. He he is. He's still alive, I think. Yeah, he's alive. An indie, chill, wave singer-songwriter that was super popular in maybe 2013, 2015. But he basically wore typical hipster uniform, so oversized, dirty t-shirt, giant pants, dirty bands, baseball cap. So you think so, there's going to be a reaction against that in yes. the form of authoritarian, strict fashion? Yes, this is like something I've been really obsessed with for a while, which is like any sort of fashion that's associated with like acts of terror. And I think this is a obviously a very a milder form but yeah i think that's that's wow so let's say i wanted to be fashion forward i want to be hip with the kids i want people to like me and think i'm hot i want the theory (laughs) cells to stop uh attacking me and what should i look for at let's say the thrift stores Uh, to build my authoritarian uniform to be fashion forward this year like a bosnian terrorist or something um yeah what kind of items should i be on the lookout for that could maybe build a nice ensemble for me personally I think maybe you could benefit from some nice laced up like combat boots that aren't like super cheesy and hmm. maybe some sort of like structured jacket with, it's not like a bomber jacket and then okay. also a gun, you could also get a gun. <laughs> so I have a little bit of a theory that's uh, adjacent to this, but maybe okay. a little bit different than yours. I don't know if there's a word for this, but is there something called like prepper core? Can you imagine oh what God. I have in mind here? Cause yes. I think- Preppers are becoming, that's becoming really big. Like people are increasingly uh, feeling apocalyptic with the state of the world right now. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are building bunkers, moving to the countryside, uh, accumulating weapons, these kinds of things. Prep The prepper phenomenon is real. And frankly, I feel somewhat called to it. I want to do it a little bit, or at least experiment with going down that road. And so I can easily imagine a kind of fashion aesthetic that reflects that because we think about people getting ready for end times they have cool gear probably hip pouches and and vests like maybe a bulletproof vest and like guns of course but maybe also like a hunting knife that you just keep on your belt and probably badass boots like more like outdoorsy boots so i wonder if there's a kind of aesthetic that i could create or help pioneer or maybe the one that's already developing that i'm not aware of where it's like a cross between the tech entrepreneur patagonia vest and the like school shooter, uh, dark authoritarian, but somewhere in between, like the kind of outdoorsy prepper in the mountains. 
Are you like familiar with the aesthetic impact of Dylan Roof? No, not too much. Tell me. He's just like a total icon to anyone who's twisted, but also interested in clothes, fashion, aesthetics, etc. Because oh, like the bowl uh, cut. Yeah, the bowl cut, and then also like he. There's all those pictures of him um, wearing like a bulletproof vest, and honestly, he looks really cool, and he just does. And so I think that you could look at. Oh God, I'm, I'm not gonna say you should look at those for inspo. But that's the direct, yeah, that's basically what it is. He's, prepper culture is super, I'm from South Carolina. He's from South Carolina. Prepper culture is really big there. So it makes sense. But, so I guess you would have to do some sort of Dylan Roof Gorpcore mashup. But I think, yeah, it's, I think that's a really attractive style on men because it's very masculine and um, masculinity is like withering away right now in culture. I want to invent my own. I want to invent my own version of this, I think, which is basically, it's like dark academia meets mountain man, Appalachian, like a uh, bum. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, But with guns and stuff like that also. But and, like dark and, academia is super gay. That's the whole thing. It's like. Oh, really? Why? Subculture because. Oh, yeah. Because it's like Harry Potter. It's like Harry Potter. But then also people that are into this are obsessed with like pre mid century boarding schools, which were like divided by gender. And you know how there's all those like lore, the lore and like movies and stuff about queer romances at those boarding schools. So a lot of queer people now still relate to that like feeling of longing. And then I also think people like queer people are just obsessed with like online subcultures. And that makes sense. But I really like your idea. (laughs) <laughs> I think I'm more chaotic academia. Do you know the difference? Oh, uh, yeah. Chaotic academia. I'm actually pretty curious from your experience working as a professor. Do you think any prof- any professors actually have drip? Like they dress good? <laughs> um, I would say chaotic academia is legit. That is something yes. you can find. I would say academia, actual academia today is bifurcated between a minority that is legit chaotic academia which is and these people are cool uh these are always the the coolest academics and then the bulk of it however is just old-fashioned bureaucratic like office norm core so ugly and like pale um atrocious yeah yeah but there is a legit minority that still reps the chaotic academia kind of aesthetic you know you thing i think that would suit you like what'd you say you should lean into the chaotic thing. I think that would suit you being very frazzled and pouring hot coffee on yourself on accident. Yeah, the tr- the honest truth is, Biz, I'm very authentically chaotic academia. If I just took, if I actually took selfies and local pictures around me every day and posted on my Instagram, it would <laughs> it would be it basically is chaotic academia. The thing with it though is, it sounds sexy, but then whenever I've tried to photograph it, it just looks lame. <laughs> you know what I mean? I need to get more clever with how to actually convey it and represent it. I think you need. But, uh, I think something that's important to clearly signify what you're getting at is having a good backdrop. You need to have clutters of books and other things to set the mood, I feel. Right. You need to virtue signal in that way. And that's... Yeah, but then the thing is, once you're arranging a scene to represent chaotic, it just feels so fake. That's something I brush up against. Are you of of that idea that social media can be candid? Because I feel there's there's always going to be an arrangement that has to be done before the photo. Yeah, it's a good question. I think any social media persona or project that succeeds is probably going to be arranged because 
you definitely can do social media in a way that's totally not arranged. It just, with very few exceptions, it just tends to not get much traction because it's not good. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, to the degree that I've posted on Instagram, almost all my Instagram stuff is pretty authentic. I don't really do much arranging. I'm sure here and there, but it's all pretty authentic. But I think this is one of the reasons why I don't have a particularly powerful or growing aesthetic. But I, I genuinely would like to develop one. I would like to have a kind of vision of who I am and what I do and on a daily basis, kind of uh, photograph or take videos of my life in a way that is more aesthetic that I think is cool that I'm proud of that I think is uh, interesting and stimulating and hot and all those good <laughs> things that aesthetics can be. I don't mean hot in this in the sense of personally sexy. I just mean I, I would love to have a kind of constant flow of audio and video that is just aesthetically cool and, and attractive and that people enjoy and that I enjoy. I would like to be proud of my own life and be able to represent it in an aesthetically cool way. But I have not found the way yet. But I think I might have some ideas around basically, yeah, the intersection of chaotic academia and prepper core. And I also need to find a way to get my wife into it because who wants to look at the middle-aged man but my wife is younger and attractive and i want to make her part of it without exploiting her or objectifying her and that also is very hard so these are all no, what do you think the are extremely powerful and beloved like oh is that right that that's I, a thing i think so but something i want to say is that i think it's i i, I respect your desire to want to build a, a kind of brand a visual brand for yourself because i think it's because you're older and haven't grown up in this like hyper fast peddling of aesthetics like i've grown up in you already have like your sense of self and ideologies formed and now you're trying to grow in a based off of those and for the most part with people my age and younger it's like the opposite like you pick an aesthetic and then you right. like try to tailor your values and life to meet it and i feel like that's really stupid but i understand it so i yeah i respect your your choice there right yeah exactly but it's hard so we'll see i'm starting to play around with it a little bit more do you know who simon saris is i don't think so i'm not sure if he's active on instagram but i follow him on twitter he's pretty cool but basically he's cottage core i think you would call it mm. or cabin core or something yeah. like that but he's interesting because he was a web he's a developer uh programmer of some kind and uh, he bought a house in new hampshire with his wife and uh, they just had a baby and he's a photographer and he has this really cool persona i think on twitter that i've taken a lot of inspiration from recently because he's a thinker and uh he writes some good stuff and he tweets interesting kind of observational and philosophical stuff and so he's very smart and and he also finds a way to make his everyday life look beautiful and in a way that is consistent with his writings. But the big thing you notice with him is that his wife presumably is very comfortable with the camera uh, because, and she's attractive. So he's constantly taking pictures of his wife and his baby and they're gorgeous in part because his wife is attractive. And that's a hard thing to do, I think, to actually get on the same page with the people in your life where you can be constantly taking photos and they're just completely relaxed with it and comfortable with it. My wife isn't particularly uncomfortable with it, but that's something that I have. I've just personally not been able to figure out how to be constantly taking photos in a way that is, isn't disruptive or annoying. <laughs> 
Right. You need to figure it out before you have a baby so that you can have a family unit, a cottage core, gorp core, prepper core family unit. And people love that. Thank you. Thank you for the advice and the encouragement. It's honestly something I've been, I wouldn't say planning to do, but vaguely I have found myself wanting to, and I've been reflecting on it a little bit and I've been slightly uh, taking more pictures than usual. So thank you for your advice and your input on that. Uh, I feel You're like we welcome. covered a lot of ground. We uh, learned Wait, a lot about you. One point and... I want to make yes. before we go is earlier I said men should wear tailored clothes, but I think I was saying like, I feel like the success, yeah, I think everyone should d- dress like a an authoritarian like soldier, basically, if you're a guy. Which so, also go- goes into like good tailoring, because those things are they're tailored to the nines, the tens even. So give me examples of tailoring that you think people should get. So what types of things would I be asking my tailor to do? Oh God, I don't know what the exact process is, but if you like go to your tailor and you're like, basically what Make they'll do- Make this look it, like Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, yeah, they'll, you, they'll just put pins on your clothes and then you'll be, they'll be like, do you like this? And you'll be like, I love it or not. Oh, okay. But also, yeah, I guess you could take those pictures and, and see how it goes. <laughs> I could take my I could take my like super baggy Patagonia fleece and they they'd be like I don't know if we I don't know if we can do this I don't know if this yeah. I don't know if this can be tailored. You want to make it into a bulletproof vest like somehow that'd be really funny. Can you take stuff to a tailor and, and ask for like ridiculous things like that? Yes. Can you say like yes? You can you can be like here's my fleece. Can you please make this in the shape of a vest with a heart on each side or something like yeah there's definitely someone out there that'll do it for you but it'll cost you a, a dime like it'll be expensive because it takes a while yeah they charge by the hour yeah they do but i could say if i wanted to bring in a fleece or something and say make this a vest is that relative is that hard or is that easy yeah you could definitely do that i don't know if you would need to i wouldn't go to a tailor i would go to a seamstress or something Maybe. Uh, how do you feel about like hip pouches and utility belts? I actually have one uh, that I've actually had all my life. It's a pretty authentic part of my repertoire. Uh, it comes from my Philly, my days in Philly when uh, I used to ride my bike everywhere. So I have this, <laughs> I have this uh, really nice waterproof uh, utility belt that's made for bike couriers. And they were quite like normal and fashionable to wear if you were like a serious biker. And I was in Philly back in the day. Gosh, what? Um, like talking like 2012. And so I have one back from then and uh, they're awesome. Super useful. I think honestly, they look pretty badass and I'm not LARPing because I actually used it and uh, I've had it for a long time. So now I'm in Montana and this is like an example of how I'm like slowly developing my chaotic academia prepper core like aesthetic. If you go hiking in Montana, you have to carry bear spray because they're like grizzly bears that can kill you. I have this hip pouch, hip pouch slash utility belt around my waist and it's got like bear spray attached to it. And I also have a, a fairly big pocket knife and uh, some other stuff like that in there. And you can see the bear spray hanging off of it. Do you think that's fashionable? I think that actually is really fashionable. I think that re- it just reminds me of how everyone thinks like guns are really hot right now. And so I think any sort of weaponry is a good accessory do you think fake props are defensible or never fake props are defensible deeply defensible okay Mostly so if i got fa- if i got fake guns to hang off my strap that would be cool and not cringe it would be not it wouldn't be cool but it would be <laughs> i would respect it because you did it and you got the guns <laughs> and then you, you were like i'm gonna wear these around however I think swords are really heavy if they're actual swords. <laughs> so some things are heavy and I can understand why why you would need a sword 
all the time. But yeah, so I well, yeah, I think you could. <laughs> in case of bear attacks, you have, might have to. You might need your sword. <laughs> I feel like you bears. Have the bear spray. You like bears? Yeah, I feel like, no. I feel like they are. Yeah, you could definitely take one down with a sword, probably. That would be epic Instagram content. That's for sure. Yeah, I think it would make the theory cells respect you and maybe fear you, etc. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Biz, this was very fun. Was there anything that else you really um, wanted to get out into the world? I don't think so. If you want to marry me, DM me. That's it. I guess. There you go. People, you heard it. She said it. If you want to find more about Biz, you can check the links in the show notes. I will put links to all of her stuff, including where you can DM her. Real quick, Biz, actually, on your point about getting married, when I was t- when I went on that tweet thread, a bunch of people DM me asking me if I could do an arranged marriage for them. So, oh my God. Uh, yeah, my, I might actually Perfect. try to build something. Would you want to be included in it? Yeah, but I would want to be a highly ranked member. I wouldn't want to be a random pebble in the the Justin Murphy marriage Facebook group. It would just be I would manually look at the entrance and I would match them up with people that look like a good fit. Yes. So if you see someone that dresses like a Nazi, but like isn't one, (laughs) you could potentially give them my phone number. The major condition being that they're not a Nazi. Yeah, that's the condition. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Okay, I'll add you to the list then. I'll let you know if that comes to fruition. Yeah, I I might very well be creating marriages. So stay tuned. Oh my god, then you can ordain them. That'd be so funny if you like could ordain them as well. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, it's not that hard to become to get that right. It's like a fairly simple process, I think, to legally be able to marry people. That you're right. That you're so right. That would be cool. I would if I do arrange marriages, I should totally do that. So I could actually be the one who puts them together and ties the knot, as it were. Yeah, that's very holy. Yeah, heck yeah. Cool. Thanks again for coming on, Biz. It was nice to uh, you and I have been Instagram mutuals for a little bit now, so I've seen you around yes. and. Yeah, so it's nice to actually get to know you a little bit and learn about your you know, fashion theories and your history, especially your experiences with navigating the internet and doing quite well for yourself. And it seems so far you have successfully started to carve out a pretty cool and interesting niche and you're leveraging the internet pretty effectively to get opportunities and to grow that project. And yeah, I'll be watching with great interest to see what you're able to parlay that into over the next few years and good luck with everything. And if there's ever anything I can do to help, definitely let me know, stay in touch. Thank you so much for having me. I'll Dropbox you some mood boards for your new oh. aesthetic. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me on. This was a really great chat. That was awesome. Yeah, uh, thank you for offering to do that. Let's together, let's see if we can develop this chaotic academia prepper core aesthetic. I, I would help. I would appreciate any kind of help or input you had. I'm here for it. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, you should send it to a friend. Just email it to them or post it on your social networks, whatever. And to learn more about what we discussed in this podcast or to send me questions to address in future episodes, please just go to otherlife.co and you'll find everything there. There's actually a ton of cool stuff on there. So check it out if you haven't already. Thanks again, folks. I'll see you here next time.